Hey, this is Ronnie. Just getting back from C2E2. Uh, this is a little interview that Travis and Dewan and myself did with Cullen Bunn, the master of horror, about the new Shadow Man book coming out in May. Um, here he talks about inspirations, what other characters that he'd like to dive into with from Valiant. So, take a good listen. Talk to y'all later. Bye. All right, so we're here at C2E2 we're with the man, Colin Bunn. Uh, Colin, how's it going? It's going great. I'm having a having a good time until you guys walked up. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm having a great time. They don't clear the interviews with you before you start, right? They did. I just forgot it was you guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I figured, I thought that you would probably have finally just given up on this whole, this whole thing. <laughs> Any day now. Yeah, so, I gotta say, I think I speak for all of us when I say you're super stoked, you're on Shadow Man. Seems like you are the perfect writer for that book. I, well, first of all, thank you. Um, I'm super stoked for it as well. It's, uh, you know, this is a book that, uh, when I started looking at the Valiant, catalog this was the this is the character i was like well that's the character i should be writing that's the you know and this is you know years back looking at the valiant catalog that's the character i feel like i'd be right for uh with valiant and uh so yeah i'm i'm excited that the day has come when was the first time you took a look at the the universe did were you approached by editorial or uh yeah yeah i was approached by Editorial. It was a weird. It was a weird sort of uh, back and forth a little bit. It's like I was exchanging emails and reaching out at the same time that editors were reaching out. And, and in all honesty, the there was a crossing of emails. Like I sent an email to an editor, and the editor was sending an email to me at almost the same time. They came, you know, right across. And and we talked about a, a few different characters. Uh, you know, Punk Mambo obviously was the you know like the first thing I did, which also another character I feel like is perfect for me. Um, but we talked about a lot of different characters, a lot of different possibilities. But I was I was glad that uh, that uh, Shadow Man came along. And the editor on Shadow Man, uh, Heather Antos, and I have known each other for a long time. We used to work together at Marvel. We've known each other before she worked at Marvel. So I mean, uh, I was glad she uh, thought of me. Finally, building interpersonal relationships pays off, right? <laughs> yeah, Heather's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, like, can you talk a little bit about? Like, safe to say that you are fascinated by voodoo. Is that like like an interest of yours? Well, I just, uh, I mean, I do. I, I am, I'm interested in it. I'm interested in all these, you know, just all different kinds of uh, supernatural stories, different uh, schools of magic, and 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 philo- the- theological philosophies, and how those are all different. Uh, so, and of course, when you're writing Punk Mambo and you're writing Shadow Man, voodoo plays a big role. So. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm an expert in any way, shape, or form, but I like the idea of kind of building Valiant Universe's voodoo mythology. Absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of kind of deep-cut voodoo stuff in Punk Mambo, too. Yeah, and some of that will show up in, in Shadow Man. I mean, there'll be some, you know, there'll be some connective tissue. You'll see some familiar faces uh, popping up in Shadow Man as well. Nice. Um, so... Let me ask you, uh, at the end of the last Shadow Man series, kind of, I, I feel like you set a new status quo where it seems like Jack is powering up. Oh, yeah. Like, he's way powered up now. Yeah. yeah. So he's always been, in the past, at odds with the Shadow Loa that's, uh, that he's bound to. But now it's like they're, 
they're copacetic, they're working together, and that gives them a huge power boost. It's also going to open up a whole new level of, uh, of frustration and headaches and, and new adventures too, because we're really gonna we're really playing with the the, the idea of the, the loas and uh, and uh, the dead side is going to play a big part in the story. Um, and uh, but but yes, you'll see some new powers. Uh, you'll see Jack. Uh, New powers, sort of a new direction. He's not going to be stuck in New Orleans. He's he's on the move. He's going to be uh, globe hopping to, to a big degree. That's like different supernatural locations around the globe. Yeah. Um, so one of the the, the big parts of, of the story is that there's this thing called these things called the blight, and they are starting to, to pop up around the world. And the blight is where the veil between our world and the dead side starts to wear thin. And in those places, some really bad things happen. And Shadow Man is the guy who's supposed to go in and stop those bad things from happening. He's uh, so it's and it is it's happening all over the place. Yeah. So First story is a New Orleans story because it's Shadow Man. Let's let's you know he's Shadow Man. But uh, every issue he's in different locales. Yeah. So does that imply that he's working for somebody like like? Hmm. <laughs> He's working with somebody, someone that I think uh, people will be surprised to see Shadow Man working with. And if you look at the preview pages, I mean, you'll know who that is. But uh, he has a he has sort of a partner that is a, a frenemy. Ooh. Yeah, I shouldn't have drank so much when I was getting into those preview pages. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, is is the the Loa the Shadow Loa more of a character in this new series? Like, like kind of like Shadhara became more of its, her own character. Like, do you have them talking, interacting? So I don't have them. Uh, initially, you're not going to see like a conversation between the two of them. Uh, but there is. I, I just turned in an issue where there's a lot more. I mean, the the Shadow Loa does become its own thing. It's not just. In, within Shadow Man, you'll see it uh, playing a more active role. Like it goes off on its own? And well, we'll see. Let's not give it all away. Come on. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I don't have them... Um, I, don't, I don't have them talking back and forth yet. Uh, but the Shadow Lode definitely has uh, more of a role. Nice. Uh, it, you know, it's, and, and that whole the whole idea that he's now accepted the Shadow Loa and it's made him more powerful is going to be uh, sort of a key tenet of of his motivation and what he's trying to do as the series goes forward. So, JDH is doing the art, right? Yes. So how are you are you blown away with your guys' chemistry together? Yeah, um, he's a he's an awesome he's an awesome artist anyway. I knew he was an awesome artist going into it, uh, but he's also a huge horror fan. Right. Um, so that's a big plus. And uh, and he's one of those artists that uh, you know there's no holding back. He, he so you know and I love the the collaboration because sometimes he's adding panels in and he's expanding things out and and he's not afraid of a of a of a page that's uh, in a lot of ways very European style. I mean there's a lot of panels on the page and I love working with you know that kind of that kind of pacing and and the first couple of issues you know working together I got a better feel of how he likes to do things and I think it's it's uh, every Every script you work with with every artist should be different. You shouldn't write, you know, I don't write like 
one style. So I try to work to the artist's strengths and interests. So uh, I'm excited for, for the way this thing's going to look. I think it's going to look different than than anything that's been done before. And, you know, with Shadow Man, it's going to be a different kind of story. I think it's going to be a different kind of book than anything else on the shelf right now. When, when it comes out, it'll be a completely different kind of book. I'm, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's uh, he's awesome. He brings magic to that page for sure. And then Jordy gets involved and and it's uh, takes it to a whole other level. Right. Yeah, we were talking about Jordy last night. Yeah, she's yeah yeah, yeah she's amazing. I've worked with her for years, uh, so I was excited that she was going to be on this as well. Yeah, it just seems like this team together is like a layup, really. With you being the master of horror. So what you're saying is if we if we drop the ball, it's all on us. I'll let you know. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I'm saying, like, it's like a happy marriage thing of you guys just coming together in the chemistry and... Yeah, it's a... JDH and his element, you and your element, and, like, I just see good things happening. Yeah, it's or a... bad things, if it's you a, will. It's a, yeah, it's, there's some bad things happening in this. I mean, I've written some things in, this, in these scripts, I'm like, oh, Heather's not going to let this fly, <laughs> but she does, <laughs> so... <laughs> You got to push the limit a little bit, you know. Right. Otherwise, what are you doing? Right. You know, it's a, it, this is a this is it's a superhero book. Shadow Man's a superhero, but it's a horror book too. I mean, I'm I we're really leaning into the horror. Every every issue is kind of a different kind of a new horrific experience. Right. Well, it's, we're here at C2E2, and then ten minutes in, so. We're going to cut out so you can get you back to your Ooh, booth. Let, let me ask one more question. All right. One more question. Let's hear it. Uh, what other Valiant characters would you be interested in writing? Oh, wow. Um, XO, Dennis is on it. You want to take I it over? I would do anything. <laughs> I want to take that book from Dennis Hopeless. Um, I would love to write more Punk Mamba. I think that would be fun. Um, XO's a cool character. Uh, Rye is kind of a cool character too. That yeah. would be uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. They're all cool characters. Yeah. I think that that's the problem for me. I get in, you know, I get, I have to temper my uh, my excitement because if they were to come and say, how about this character, this character, all of them sound awesome to me. But I have to think about which characters can I bring something. Do I really believe? I have to look inside and say, can I bring something new to this character, something interesting. Uh, which is why, like, a Punk Mambo or Shadow Man's perfect, because I think those are characters, for me, because in your that's a layup. They're yeah. in my wheelhouse. I know I can bring something different to those books. Um, so all the characters are awesome. It's just, if anyone came along, I have to think to myself, what can I do that would uh, enhance, it. enhance it and elevate the story and keep it going forward? Right. Hey, I'm back again. We got uh, one more C2E2 clip for you. This one is the bloodshot 101 panel on the panel is matthew klein along with current bloodshot comic writer tim seeley um they dive into uh tim's run on the book plus also about the movie coming out in a couple of weeks so hope you enjoy all right game we're gonna get started then uh so what's going on everybody my name is kyle figley i am occasionally a writer for cbr.com and uh, a former Chicago resident, I, I, I've moved back to Michigan, and I'm sad every time I think that I'm no longer living here, so I'm glad to be back on the, the, the previously home turf. Uh, this is the Bloodshot 101 panel from Valiant. Uh, we've got Valiant's Matthew Klein here. We've also got Bloodshot writer Tim Seeley here. Hello. Big round of applause started. Big round of applause, okay? Okay. Um, 
so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the history of the character. Um, we're going to talk about uh, what's currently going on in Bloodshot in the comics. Um, uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the movie, and though none of us worked on the movie, so uh, sure. you know, you know, what we have to offer there is going to be a mystery to all of us, I'm sure. Well, we have somebody to talk about the movie who actually does have experience with it. Oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> this is not my PowerPoint. They gave, the PowerPoint was provided to me, so this is really an amazing thing. Well, let's see what the first panel is. There is a gentleman who knows something about the Bloodshot movie. Indeed. He's got a little bit of a message, too. Oh, my gosh. All right. So let me see if I can get All right. This is, this is the AV gods need to be on our side, yes. No, it's just, nope, it's just opening up my email. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Oh, no, 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 it went there, it went there. Okay, right. now here's the other question of the day. I think i got to plug this in. So that we can hear it? This. All right. Ready? This is just building the anticipation. It's great. Not make it, I'm just trying to make it not loud at the beginning. That's fair. Okay, no, now, now I do. I'm going to turn it up. Wait, okay. let me start it all over again. Hey, Ben. All right. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm here to deliver a special thank you and shout out to all of the fans, local comic book shops, writers, and artists out there for supporting Valiant's Bloodshot comics and the new Bloodshot film coming soon to theaters. We can't wait for you to see it, but in the meantime, keep checking in with your local shops for exclusive giveaways, including chances to screen the movie before it's released in theaters and special items from the film, some of which may be limited edition or even signed by myself and my fellow castmates. I'll see you at the movies. So you guys are the first people to see that anywhere. <laughs> I, felt, I felt it in my nipple. <laughs> well, lower, lower for me, but that's fair. <laughs> So, um, oh, this is recorded, isn't it? Oh, well, so we're off to a great start. Yeah, we're doing great. Well, I, I should note here, too, that Valiant has provided um, some cool stuff tying into the, the character and the movie on the back table. There's many sizes of T-shirts. we got people there with their hands up showing off the T-shirts. There's some very large posters. There's some smaller posters if you don't have the capacity to take a large poster home with you. Um, so uh, during the panel, after the panel, you want to go grab some of that stuff. I think it looks like we got a, a, quite a stack of merch, and we've got enough people here that it's not going to be a ravenous Black Friday situation where people are kicking their children in front of Toys R Us. So, and if now, it is, it's cool because we're over here. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be fine. Yeah, we're gonna it's fine. We'll, we'll be okay. Good. I think we're also missing the children. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this as well. Taking a look. Yeah, no, no, I guarantee. I guarantee you. <laughs> that's fair. There that's is, fair. and I don't know if they're in this audience right now. There is a diehard Fast and the Furious fan who's taking Hell their yeah. six-year-old to Bloodshot opening weekend. Oh, for sure. And that is just going to be. I'm sorry for whoever has to sit through that screening with that. Tim, are you going to take your five-month-old? Oh yeah, she's, <laughs> she's great at movie theaters. Awesome. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about um, Bloodshot and classic Bloodshot. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, I don't know how many diehard Valiant people we have, how many Valiant neophytes we have here in the audience, right? But Valiant uh, existed as a company, as an entity back in the 1990s. It was when a lot of these characters were originally created. And here we have an example of, of the classic version of Bloodshot from back then. And I want to talk to you, Tim, because you and I came up reading comics around the same time. Mm -hmm. And having read your comics for a long time and knowing uh, what you're into, you were there for Ground Zero in the early 90s comics. And, and everything that is 90s comics is something that you have never turned away from or said, no, well, this is bad. You like, I like pouches. I like lots of things. <laughs> um, so were you reading Bloodshot? Were you reading those original Valiant books when you were young? So we, I mean, and, um, I have two brothers, and we grew up in a small town in central Wisconsin. And uh, 
the summer that like all this stuff was like 1999-01 was when Image debuted and when Valiant debuted and the Malibu Ultraverse line debuted. And for our young minds, we just got a comic book store. This blew our, it just blew our heads. We could not believe there's all these new characters. So what we used to do, my parents were like happy that we were reading. So they would buy us all the books and my grandma would help, but we would split them up by universe, you know, kind of, or we would split them up by character. So my brother Brad was the gun guy. So he was reading like Firearm and Bloodshot and, uh, and stuff, and I was the team guy. So I had Harbinger and uh, Ultra Strangers and all, and, you know, Youngblood. That was, but we'd read each other's books. So I read the entire early Valiant line because of my brothers having books. So, and I still have them. I have them all in, in my. Uh, it was the 90s, so we polybagged everything. So I have them all in nice bags. So you know, one of the things about Bloodshot is that there were a lot of characters. Um, that around that time that were playing with some similar kind of ideas, right? There was a lot of characters in the 90s that, that dealt with black ops, military yeah. war type stuff. We were um, super into that in the 90s. Yeah, really that bad. was really thing. Everything was edgy and dark, and all our characters were grounded. Yeah, and there was. I mean, Bloodshot is the perfect name for a 90s character because yes. of we've got blood in there, which is in a lot of names in the 90s, and shot. But I mean, Bloodshot is also a pre-existing term. It wasn't like yeah. Blood Fist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for you. As a memory of reading the character back in the day, what stood out to you? Was it the design? Was it the milieu? Was it the, the story itself? What made that character stick that years later when they came to you and said, do you want to write this? You were like, yes, sign me up. Oh, yeah. He was Frankenstein. I mean, that was that always, when I was a kid and that book came out, you know, he was like handsomer Frankenstein, but the story was essentially, you know, science made him into a monster and he was, you know, and he had pretty much uh, ostensibly stitches on him and, and, and bolts in his neck, right? He had that sort of aesthetic. Um, but then as the series went on, that became even more apparent. And in the later 90s, they rebooted it through Acclaim, and Len Kaminsky was writing the book. And then it was just completely, he was Frankenstein. And those are actually my favorite uh, bloodshot issues. Because there's one where he uh, he gets all beat up, and he's all messed up, and he, he grabs a cat and just shoves the cat in his chest. And it was so horrific, because he needed the, you know something fuel for his nanites. I remember I was like 17, so I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, and that horror thing has always been part of my you know, approach to everything. So the fact that Bloodshot is, he's, the, the G, I always call him G.I. Crow. You know, he's like a combination of the Crow and G.I. Joe. And you know, he's a horror character who sort of dances on this line of being a military action superhero as well. So Matt, give us a little bit of the, the Valiant perspective on this, because one of the things that I, I like about what Valiant as a publisher now does is that every few years, um, they don't read with the characters, they don't start new, but it's yeah. always a new number one, it's always a new creative team, and it's always a new way to kind of access that. So as you guys have looked, that Dwayne Swazierski came in and yeah, that's the, the uh, next that's, one, yeah. this is the next slide. Dwayne Swazierski came in and did uh, Bloodshot, and Matt Kent wrote some of these books as well, yep. and a lot of the great artists that we have listed here are working on them. And then a while later, um, we got the next one. Oh, here's some of the, the, some the artwork, artwork are, uh, from yeah, when it first came back. And then, of course, uh, Jeff Lemire came in also and did the most recent one before Tim's mm -hmm. run. So as you guys are preparing these books internally, do you have to sit down every time you do a new version of the character, a new version of not the new version of the character, but a new version of the series and say, what's our go-to and was horror the one that you landed on this time? No, it, it really, for us, uh, we don't come into it with, with too many preconceived notions. You know, we look at a we look at the run and one of the great things that I love about Valiant is that we really honor the creator's vision for it, you know, and when when a creator is finished with the character, that's when we decide, okay, that story is closed, so let's close it. And then the new number one is the next iteration, but it's a fresh story, and it's a fresh creative take on it, it's a fresh voice. 
That's why Tim's run isn't, you know, Bloodshot Salvation 13, it's Bloodshot number one, because he's bringing a totally different approach than what Jeff did, and it's its own thing, and it's exciting, and it adds to it, and it builds to it. And for us, it's always about story first, and it's about what the creator's vision is, and that's what we go with. So we don't necessarily go in there with a preconceived, well, we want Bloodshot to be hard. We want Bloodshot to be, you know, hyper-masculine. We want Bloodshot to be this genre or that genre. No, it's, it's what did Tim have? You know, how was, what was his take on the character? That's where we go from. It's story first, character first, always. Mm. Always. Tim, tell me a little bit about, because um, this is your first book you've done for Valiant, right? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they came to you, um, I mean, obviously you had the Lem Missy issues that, that were a thing for you, but what was the pitch that, that you gave to them when this conversation started that became the book that we see now? Well, I was actually reading their books like as a fan because I was working exclusively at DC. And when you're working at a company, you can't read the books for fun. Uh, it's just impossible. Um, so I was reading the Valiant stuff as a hobby. Like, so I was, I was caught up. I was reading Jeff's um, Bloodshot at the time. And, uh, and so I was really familiar with what, what they were doing. And I really liked Jeff's take on it because uh, he made it sort of this, like, a meditation on violence. And, and it, was, it was more of a crime story. It was very small. It was about Bloodshot growing a family. Um, and so when they said, well, what would you do with Bloodshot? And I talked to you guys about doing other stuff, um, some other crazy ideas. I thought you were going to come to me with the comedy books because, you know, I thought you'd be like, do Archer Armstrong. You, you make I was funny just things. thinking, like, yeah. you and Archer and Armstrong yeah. would be fast. Because I love those guys. Yeah. And I love the funny stuff. But instead, you guys came to me with Bloodshot. You're like, what would you do with it? And the first thing I said was, he's, you know, G.I. Crow. He's, he's, you know, uh, uh, Sergeant Rock with with you know monster powers basically right uh, and so but my pitch I knew I couldn't do what Jeff had done Jeff can do these very quiet stories and, this, and, and you know and he really excels at that and I'm not Jeff uh, I had and to, my, to me the approach had to be like this has to be a giant act this be every issue has to be die hard it has to be a big action sequence but there has to be a lot of soul there has to be a ton of heart so that that was kind of my angle like I want to do you big, dumb action comics that surprise people that they're not dumb. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the Tim Seeley brand. That is my brand, yeah. You think it's going to be stupid, and then you're like, oh, it's not stupid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things that I think was great about the first, uh, uh, I guess really two arcs, because you've been really writing these as, as shorter three-issue yeah, three stories. stories. Yeah, three-issue stories, yeah. And the first two arcs are both drawn by Brett Booth, who is a classic guy who drew these kind of comics in the 90s yep. and went away for a while, was not seen as much in the shops, and has now had a big return. Um, and it seems like you guys were really uh, copacetic in terms of not only that approach and that horror approach, but also he's the kind of guy who was born to draw this kind of thing. So absolutely, when you did those first two stories and you knew that Brett was going to be drawing the book, what were the things that you definitely said, I got to let him do it? Or where was the leeway you gave him to do what he wanted? Well, so the first issue I wrote thinking someone else was going to draw it, and then I started the second one and we found out we were working with Brett instead. And so I instantly was like, well, i got to make sure he's sexy, because Brett draws sexy dudes. So, uh, <laughs> he really does. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of wrote it towards some of his strengths, and knowing that action was definitely a big part of what he does. Um, but I kind of geared it towards his style, which I try to do with everybody. I, I used to draw comics full-time before I wrote comics full-time. So I kind of know what writers do wrong, which is they forget who you are and don't write to your strengths, you know? So I wasn't going to, you know, do Brad like a mopey, sad indie comic slice of life. It just wouldn't buy. It wouldn't be the point. So I, I just upped the ante and made more tank fights, and then, you know, we got, we got some great print stuff out of it. 
So and a musical number in that first. And a musical number, which yeah. Right. Which we had to change the song. We did. I was so upset about it. <laughs> it was originally he was singing "Santa Claus Coming in Town" by Bruce Springsteen. Yep. Uh, and it was just like he was going. It was, it was like his Nicolas Cage moment, right? He was just like going crazy, singing "Santa Claus Coming in Town," and half his face was missing and he was on fire. And then we got the notes back, and I said, "Oh, that song's not public domain. We can't use it." So then we we found a different Christmas song. And it works. And it works. It works. Not as good as if you think of him singing Bruce Springsteen. Think about Bloodshot as basically undead Bruce Springsteen. It really works really well. He's kind of you know the working man hero. So yeah, that that was my approach, and we just couldn't keep it. Well, um, the other thing about the first arc is that you introduce – I mean, that's the other thing I think that's fun about how Valiant does a lot of this stuff is that when a new creative team comes on, they get to bring in a new supporting cast or a new kind of uh, world to put the character into. And so you started out with this idea of the, the group that's called Black Bar. Um, and one other thing, that too, that and, and maybe you can talk about this, too, about the new Valiant is that the, the publisher has never been shy about – I wouldn't say getting political, but like letting different things from the world out there reflect in, in what happens in the comics, right? Yeah. And yeah. so tell me about Black Bar as a kind of group of antagonists for the entire arc of the series, and what was the inspiration for the real world that you wanted to kind of mix with this kind of crazy high concept action idea? I mean, basically they came from, you know, I, I keep hearing this sort of, uh, this idea, you know, from the current administration and from some of the followers that there's this thing called the deep state, that there's this idea that there's something running all this, and if you're have paid attention at all, you know that's not true. There's no one special, no one smarter. It's all just a goddamn mess, and it's, you know, there's nobody behind the scenes. But I was like, well, what if there was, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So part of the idea of Black Bar is that they, they are so deeply uh, you know, enmeshed in what they do that they don't even know who they work for. They just know that people tell them to go do things. Um, and the lead character, uh, this General Grail character, has basically he went to, you know, and basically says the most dangerous man on earth is Bloodshot, right? He's not just a man, he's a man with a million soldiers in his army, right? He's got his nanites. Those are more dangerous than anything else. They're completely at his command and he can do anything with them. So that's that's the impetus to, to take him out um, before he can cause more trouble. So, uh, but then of course, you know, there are worse guys than, than Bloodshot and then we have a three-way fight, which is my sort of favorite. Uh, if you're going to do these big Spy stories—you have to have a lot of people turning on each other, and, and lots of uh, duplicitous, you know, agents and stuff. So, uh, I filled it with that kind of stuff so I could have everybody stab each other in the back. <laughs> and they do. And they do. And they do. Quite often. Quite often. They shoot each other in the heads too. Yeah. Some of that. Yeah. Well, um, the other character that has become really important here, and I think this is part of what grounds the series. I mean, you talk about that idea that it is a big crazy series, but we need to ground it. Is we have uh, Mina, who. First off, my first question when I was reading the book and I was like, well, Tim has got vampires in this book, he's got werewolves in this book, yeah. and then he's got a character called Mina. And is, is this your Dracula? Is this well, her sister is named Lucy. Oh! oh. No, no. I'm subtle. I'm very subtle writer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell me about that idea. I mean, because that's the other thing that we see at Valiant sometimes, is that people are unafraid to come in and create new characters. When you're working at DC or when you're working at Marvel, it's like, okay, I'm going to take this obscure characters in one issue of Batman in 1973, and I'm going to bring yeah. that character back. But I feel like anytime somebody comes in at Valiant, they're like, okay, I'm just going to throw in some new characters. So what was the inspiration for her, and, and why is she the, the perfect foil for Bloodshot in your run? Well, the idea was, and what I really liked about when Dwayne Sprzyzynski first brought it back is he tied in Bloodshot to Harbinger and that whole universe by the fact that essentially Bloodshot was a, um, a Scythe hunter. It's in the Valiant universe, you probably guys know, but the Scythes are like their superpower people, mutants, I guess, hypothetically. And they all have mental powers. And in the first Dwayne's arc, um, 
Bloodshot was essentially, he was to take those people out because they were too dangerous because they had these unlimited mental powers. Um, so Mina represents uh, Eidolon as her superior name. She's his, his sins, his former sins, right? Because he at one point kidnapped her because he was, you know, he was programmed to, and he brought her uh, back and she became an agent of Black Bar because she was too dangerous to live in the real world. Her, her powers are extremely dangerous. So he feels really guilty about what he did to her. So even though she's a bad guy to some degree and is hunting him in the first arc, his first thing, and I think it's, you know, my approach to that character is he's really, he's, he's basically so compassionate it, it destroys him. Uh, every time he, you know, is presented with the choice of be selfish and run away, he always picks the, to do the nice thing. And, it always ends up working out badly for him. And so in the case of Mina, she attacks him and basically ruins him and, and almost gets him captured, but he decides I have to free her. So the second arc is him trying to you know, get her away from Blackheart because he feels responsible for her being there in the first place. So they kind of have, they become sort of friends, sort of frenemies. Frenemies? Frenemies, yeah. yeah. Um, and one of my parts of the pitch was I want, to, I want Bloodshot to have his Electra. You know, there's someone who's got a tie to his past, but and, and is an enemy in a lot of ways, but they, when they share the same side, they fight together. So uh, let's talk a little bit. I'm going to see if I'm going to get too far ahead. But we got some preview art here. This is, but this is the most recent issue still. Okay, I don't want to. I want to. I want to save the really big reveals. So we have big reveals, right? Um, but here we have uh, Agent Nix, who is the leader of this uh, group called the Burned. Which, when the series starts, we have. Uh, Black Bar is obviously the bad guys, yeah. and then the Burn come in, and they're kind of like, oh, we're, we're kind of good guys. Why did you work yeah. with us? And I, immediately I said, yeah, those are bad guys. bullshit. This is not going to work out. <laughs> this is going to be a terrible thing. And we did, in the, just the most recent issue, uh, in Seven, we've seen kind of the, the mask come off. Right? Yeah. So what, you know, and, and you've been building this monster stuff into it, but kind of um, uh, thematically or theoretically, if you have a Frankenstein character, and yeah. you've got the, the deep state characters, what do the Burn kind of represent for you? They're the ghosts. Yeah, but they're also, I mean, in a literal sense, the burn in our book, uh, there are a bunch of spies who have literally been burned by their governments. So, in, in the, you know, in uh, espionage, burn means they just let you out. You're, they burned your papers. You're not part of this anymore. You're on the so USA Network now. Yeah, we, you know, we, we have. Uh, great show. Great show. <laughs> so, in, in of course, in the superhero universe, they become an evil super team of spies uh, who steal all the technology from their governments before on the way out. Right? They basically like stole the office supplies on their way out when they got fired. So they have all this crazy high tech, they can go invisible, they can do all this kind of stuff. Um, but they're really pissed off that the, all these, you know, that they their identities have been erased. So all of them, you know, don't have names anymore. They make up new names like Nix or um, there's one Miss Mai and I, which means uh, nothing. So they all have these sort of, you know, they're these anti-identity sort of guys because they feel like they've been, uh, their, their whole selves have been eradicated. So they're like these nihilist spies that decide that they're going to punish the rest of the world for, for burning them. So that's at first, they seem like they're on Bloodshot's side because that's kind of what he wants to do, is punish people for using him. And that's how they feel as well. And then you see that they're not the nicest dudes. So And we have big fights. Lots of big fights. Lots of big fights. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to play with when, when, when in the second arc when Brett is still in the book, you got to play with this arc where, and this is something that has become 
I think a minor trope, if you guys read a lot of comics, maybe you see this happen sometimes, but it's let's take the superior characters and let's go to a Comic-Con. Right, and yeah, let's yeah. let's see people in cosplay. I feel like I was one of the first to do that because I did the hack slash one where they had the murders at the comic. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I killed Robert Kirkman and Scotty Young, and well, I didn't kill Scotty. I can't kill Scotty. But uh, <laughs> did he get maimed though? Or something? No, he didn't get maimed until much later. Oh, all right. <laughs> and Steve Niles got killed. So you know, I felt like I had to come back to this idea a little bit, and, and we sent them to a horror convention. And Bloodshot found out in the uh, no, universe he's like an icon of horror because he's scary as shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now Faith and Bloodshot have been to conventions in yep. the universe. He saw cosplayers of himself. So. <laughs> but it's so funny because the burned, I mean, you know, I like when, and stories like this, um, stories that are black ops stories, stories that are military action stories, sometimes they have a tendency to take themselves too seriously. And this story takes itself seriously, and, and Bloodshot's, you know, I mean, it's it's got, you know, giant uh, werewolves and stuff running through conventions. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But, like, it is, still, from a character perspective, it's still a serious story. But I do think that, like, the Burned as a set of villains have this kind of theatrical, like you said, when they're picking their own names, I mean, are you thinking of them in some ways as, yes, they're Burned spies, but also the kind of, like, nerdier Burned spies? They're G.I. Joe guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're G.I. Joe guys. <laughs> I mean, I try to approach everything, and you may notice this about anything, right? is how cool of an action figure would this make? That's everything I do. Because <laughs> that's where I come from, right? Is that, and I think sometimes we forget that people take themselves so seriously. You know, like, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are good movies, but they take themselves way too goddamn seriously. Like, really, do you have to explain all this stuff? He wears a cape because he wears a cape. Don't worry about it. You don't have to explain it, you know? But I try to just do it like, it's cool first. Above anything, it's cool. So that's why the, the Burned are like, you know, they're pretty theatrical. They're villainous and sort of... Uh, I wouldn't use the word silly because I don't think it's silly, but I think some people might. But it's, it all plays into the fun, right? They should be, you should be able to go into this and escape the crap of the world, right? That's why the world sucks. Read Bloodshot, tune out, man. <laughs> wow, there's the next marketing slogan. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, tell me a little bit about working now. I mean, we talked about Brett. Uh, Mark Lamming has, has come on and is doing um, the newest arc and and, and taking bringing in some of these characters and designing a couple pieces of this too. Um, and he's a guy who I the first time I remember seeing his work was at Dynamite and he was doing kind of the old newspaper strip characters. If you knew oh, the Phantom, yeah, yeah you know uh, Flash Gordon and stuff like that. Uh, and this is a very different world than that. But I mean, had you worked with him before, or did you know his style and kind of how yeah, to adjust the story? I didn't work with him before, but I knew his stuff. And when they told me he was going to do issue zero, I changed my approach immediately. Yeah. That's a crime story instead. Because in my head, Mark draws crime stories. <laughs> so I drew, I wrote him a, a kind of, you know, a, a much smaller story. It's more Jeff Lemire, really, than the other run. Um, but it's supposed to be kind of a bridge between Jeff's series and mine, so it kind of works out. But you know, I wrote a kind of smaller, intimate story. Bloodshot is uh, trying to run away from the world, and he, he's working in a um, uh, basically an oil uh, rig town, a, a tunnel, what do you call them, an oil pipeline town in Russia. And uh, it's, it's a very small story. It's not him running around the globe. It's him in this really crappy place. Uh, and it's based on real stuff. The worst place on Earth, as near as I can tell, are pipeline towns in Russia. They seem like they had to work. So I, I feel like that's where Bloodshot would go. Is that from um, personal experience? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but I, and so I wrote him a kind of crime story, and he it was perfect. It was a good choice. And then then this, the arc that he does after this is the exact opposite. It's even crazier than all the other stuff. It has kaiju in it, and uh, Taliban super soldiers, and uh, vine aliens from Exo Manowar, and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Well, th that's something I was going to ask you about, right? Um, you mentioned the PSYOP stuff, which is where um, Edelon comes from. 
uh, earlier on, and I think it's in the, the Zero issue, you have a mention of Gate, which is kind of the organization that monitors aliens that was in Exo Man of War, which is what brought Bloodshot after those initial Dwayne issues kind of into the larger universe. Yeah. Um, again, Valiant is a universe. We see these characters cross over, but I, I never feel like there is a mandate from editorial. There's never like no. a thing like that. So how do you take your piece of what am I going to pull in from the rest of the universe? How does editorial say, here's how we'd like to see this character kind of link up in, in any ways with other books? You don't? You guys don't tell me to do anything. No, no. I mean, our our approach in, in speaking with editorial, from what I can tell you, is that um, we always say, you know, you can't break continuity, but you don't have to be beholden to it. It doesn't have to tie your hands for telling a complete, full story of what you're looking for. So it's why you can have tie back to the psyops, you can have those little Easter eggs in there for EXO so that for, for you guys who have been following Valiant, you see the connective tissue to the rest of the universe, but to anywhere he, anyone here where Bloodshot is the very first thing with that Valiant V on there, it's welcoming. And the more you read, the more you see it, but it's never, you have to read this to understand what's going on. And that's part of the balance, you know? it's. You know, I remember in talking with Lisa, where it was like, we don't want Bloodshot to be someone's first Valiant comic. We want Bloodshot to be accessible enough to be someone's first comic, period. And that's really the editorial mandate right now uh, that we talk about with like Shadow Man that's coming up, with the new XO that's coming up. Is that doesn't have to just be somebody's first Valiant book. That could be someone's first book ever in this medium. And that's the accessibility. That's the freedom that we love making sure that the creatives have, and that we as a publishing line have as well. Which is also something Marvel and DC don't generally care about. So I think that, that it's the fact that you guys think about that was very appealing to me. And that one of the things about Bloodshot was supposed to be those people rolling out of this movie can read this comic and you know it'll feel like the thing that they just liked. You know, so that, I thought that was a good approach. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the movie that that, that none of us produced. Um, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I've seen it. You seen it? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. nice, fancy. There you go. What happens? <laughs> well. Vin Diesel's in it. Okay. <laughs> um, there is violence. <laughs> there's some blood and some shots. There's some blood. There's some shots being taken. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, Tim, I, it's so funny because I've known you for so long, and I've, I've seen you do – I've seen you go from Hackslash and G.I. Joe to doing lots of stuff at, at Marvel and DC – but I don't think I've ever seen you be the guy in the position you're in now where you're being tapped to make the book at the time this big movie's coming out. And I've talked to other people over the years when they've had to do a, like a, a big Batman story that's going to be published in trade right when a Batman movie comes out or whatever it is. And how much does that influence what you're thinking about when you know there's this thing out there that everybody's instantly going to associate with your job in, in a month? Yeah. And, and but you've already been working on it. I mean, it's weird. I actually did it once before at Marvel. They called, they were Guardians of the Galaxy was going to come out that summer, and they said, "Can you write a prequel to the Guardians of the Galaxy movie?" I said, "Great, yeah, send me the movie." They're like, "Oh no, you can't." And I, and I said, "Can I at least see the script?" And I said, "No." So you can watch the trailer. So then I wrote a prequel based on the trailer, and it was fine. It worked great. <laughs> uh, like I figured it all out. I knew I knew who James Gunn was, so I kind of I guessed it what it would feel like, and I was right. And so. Uh, this was kind of that approach. Like I, I knew they, I wasn't going to be made to use characters from the movie, and I wasn't going to have to do any of that. But it just had to feel right. That's all. And so you guys sent me the trailer, and some. Uh, there was like a, a little uh, presentation by Dave, the director, yeah. and I watched it, and he talked about some stuff, and I was like, yeah, I got it. No worries. So then we just wrote the comic, and you know, that was the only sort of indication I had. But I just, you know, I know what it has to feel like. I, I, I get what I would want if I were like, you know, going to see a 
the movie that is going to appeal to me as a Fast and the Furious fan, or, you know, I know what I want. So I just did that. No, yeah. 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 And it feels like the movie, uh, just from having seen the trailer and, and, and I met the, Dinesh and the director at the New York, and they showed me a bunch of unfinished footage uh, at the time. But, you know, um, it feels like the movie sits in that tradition of... Um, I mean, it's it's almost a throwback '80s kind of. Action. It looks like a cool '80s movie to it's me. Got, it's it got it's got that tone. Yeah. No, no, there's there's a little bit to it, except yeah. I think it I think it 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 carries a spirit of that, and very much the way that you know you talked about Die Hard carrying sure. a spirit in your book. There is some of that in there, but it still feels now it feels relevant, um, and so it's it's very cool to like see this kind of you know kick-ass genre action movie, man against the world sort of story. But in such a way that is, again, it's like very accessible, it's very of the moment, um, and it's aware of, it's actually aware of its origins, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. There's, there's some meta going on in the film that I was not expecting, yeah. that was very, very interesting. I was like, oh, wow. No, because like, it goes, again, it takes itself seriously, but not too seriously, yeah. in a way that I was not expecting, but that is very interesting, and again, it feels very current in that sense of like it it actually is a bit of a commentary on these types of stories oh great in and of like jeff's uh, jeff's run was a lot about that too. yeah about absolutely. violence and, mm -hmm. and about america worshiping guns because he's a canadian and he don't get it no nope. so yeah they really don't <laughs> i don't get it sometimes either. no i don't get it either yeah. well it's funny too because i mean vin is the actor i mean this is his world you know yeah. i mean every, everybody knows vin diesel is a a, a D, &D player mm -hmm. a he's a nerd yeah he's a yeah. huge nerd and you can even that the little video that we showed we started here right you know i mean i've seen a case every couple of years we do free comic book day happens in the comic book stores and whatever movie is coming out that summer they get the actor or whatever and you can always tell i feel like when the actor comes on they're like they told me to read this card yeah. about <laughs> free comic books or whatever and when when vin diesel's like go to your little comic book store you need to support those it's because he's been in there talking to the retailers yep. at some point absolutely yeah. and that was that was something sony just so you guys know like that's something sony came to us and like hey vin wants to say this and we we're like cool yeah, because that was like he was doing a junket for another film or something, and they were like, no, 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 but he wants he wants to talk about Bloodshot, he wants to give you guys something for the fans. That's awesome. And we're like, that's amazing, because you don't hear stories like that yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. So no, so like that's that's straight out of Vin. That's nothing that like we weren't going to Sony like, can you get this for us? Can you do da da da? I was like, no, that's that's Vin being a fan and wanting to say to you guys, thank you. So uh, Tim, tell us a little bit about what's coming up. Um, uh, the the quote from the end of I mean, let me just ask show of hands here how many people um are reading tim's run on bloodshot right now oh thank you okay we're really, really bummed out if it was like three people no. <laughs> and how many people in here have maybe never read a bloodshot comic before but they know about the movie and that's why they're here Mm, interesting. Nice. Oh, hey, we're doing all right. Okay, okay. Yeah, we got a good yeah. mix. We got a good yeah, mix here. Good. Yeah, good. Um, Come to booth five seven seven, and we'll get you issue one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in uh, uh, issue seven, which just came out, the quote that I wrote down was. Um, uh, uh, it's oh, not out yet. No, issue seven. Issue issue seven's out next week. Oh, so then I've got okay, so I'm not going to spoil it. I mean, yeah. Look, here's the quote. Here's the quote. Okay, the quote. Spoilers. The, the quote from the issue, and I'll just say the quote, and I won't describe the image that goes with it. Is but the, the quote is going to be, it's an angry god at the gates of hell. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That is kind, uh, uh, and you mentioned the kaiju idea of it, right? So tell us a little bit about the the previous arc. You had Bloodshot in the Frankenstein role. You had uh, vampires and werewolves kind of in the supporting monster role. Now you've shifted over this. Tell us about mixing kaiju stuff with Satan <laughs> stuff, you know? Yeah. That's going to sound so stupid if I don't do this right. But, okay. <laughs> what we set up is that Black Bar um, 
because it, you know, they handle all this stuff and they're, you know, they're so deep state and they, they work on stuff, but they've been capturing things, experiments for the last how many years? They've, so people try to make a weapon and they make, you know, some biological weapon, a Taliban super soldier or whatever. They also made these giant radioactive monsters, of course. Uh, but Blackbar's job is to, to lock those up so they can never be seen. Um, and, and we've hinted that these things existed in the previous arcs. Uh, but then, of course, they bloodshot is, uh, well, I don't want to ruin anything, but he ends up in the place with all this stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's, they, you find out the name of the team, Black Park, it's actually because they, they make these giant prisons where they keep all this stuff and it doesn't show up on radar, it doesn't show up on anything. It's literally a black bar on a map. That's the kind of idea here. And they're full of crazy stuff. So Bloodshot ends up in one of those, and that sets us up for the next arc in which all hell breaks loose. Yeah, all, 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 yeah literally. Yeah. All hell breaks yeah. loose. The um, metaphors to this, they keep going. There's tons of good metaphors in the, in the underlying structure of this story. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about um, when you are planning the long-term kind of future of a book like this. Because every person... I mean, I've seen writers do this, and they're full of shit. And I want to, you know, like, I've got a massive, I've got a massive 70 issue novel that I'm going to tell. I know everything that happens in every issue from number one till number 234 or whatever. But you know that as you're making these books, you are figuring some stuff out as you go. You are discovering ideas in the story as you go. But obviously, there's a part where you've introduced these kind of different factions and put them into the book with a kind of long-term goal in mind. What is your kind of grand vision for what this version of Bloodshot is all about? And, and do you kind of have certain things mapped out to a certain extent? Or each three-issue arc, you sit down and say, what's the crazy twist and how does that kind of evolve the story? I mean, I'll, I'll, I won't lie to you. I don't plan it for 70 damn issues. I, you know. <laughs> uh, but the way I do everything is, uh, when I approach something, is I have a theme. So I just have a theme in mind, and I have a character arc. Those are the only two things I plan. Everything else is, I get there. Uh, and I always describe it as, it's like driving in the fog at night. You have the headlights on, I know where I have to go, and I can see right in front of me, and this is kind of fuzzy. <laughs> That's just how I do everything. <laughs> but so, I know the, you know, the final location, I know exactly what that is. But how I get there, doesn't matter. I'll figure it out. That's how I approach it. And a lot of times it's, I set up characters and then they do the job for me. So I set them up and they start writing themselves and then I put them together with some other character and they start telling stories and then I don't have to do anything. I can just be along for the ride. So, see, I'm honest about it. It's mostly improv. If you're really, like, comic <laughs> writing is mostly like improv comedy. You're just in front of a room and you're like, uh, yes, and. And that's how you do most stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go through a couple slides right here just because they've given them to me. And I, and I want to get to a specific question from Tim. But first, let's look at some of this that the Valiant has given us here. Because um, a lot of stuff going on in 2020. And I have to be a bro. Um, because Dr. Tomorrow's this book out and it's written by my blood brother for life, Alejandro Arbona. Um, and Jim Tao is doing great art on this. If you've yeah. not read this book yet, it is an incredibly cool, yeah. an incredibly cool. And it's something different from us, too. Yeah. In a way, that's really, really neat. And you'll see that because, uh, you know, we gave a few slides just plugging a little bit what's coming up uh, in Valiant as well, in addition to, to Tim's Bloodshot. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's a very aspirational story. Uh, I love it because you... You know, it's you're 13 and you, you think you're hot shit, but you actually don't know anything about the world. And then you meet the world's greatest hero, and he says, "I'm you from the future." What does that do to you? You know, that's literally the first 10 pages of the book. Um, and no, but it's and it's a book that you know I was actually talking to some fans uh, last night about it. It's like no, this is also a book like fathers and sons can enjoy together. 
right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, it is. It's a whole different, like, baseball scenes and everything in there. Like, it's, it's a different kind of flavor in there, It's which is really exciting for us on this. And Jim's artwork, too, is just destroying yeah, it on this. Yeah, really yeah. gorgeous stuff. Um, oh, and there you go. Yeah, there is see a little something bit. to see. Yeah, any superhero book that starts with here's this giant insane crossover, and then we shift to baseball games with your old man. There you it's, go. It's a wide does range. It, does it get more classic than that, right? Yeah, yeah. that's good superhero stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. Blow up the entire universe and then go, you know, catch a ball game. Uh, we've also got uh, Dennis Howell coming on and doing a new uh, <laughs> Exo Man War, which I feel like Exo is in a, a similar position to Bloodshot right yeah. now. Where uh, we, we've we've kind of finished one giant epic and are at the yes. beginning of another one. And, and what do you want to share about EXO then? Um, I would say that EXO. What's really exciting about EXO, uh, I always call EXO our angry space Viking out of time. Um, well, he's the best pitch on Earth. It's yeah. What if Conan had Iron Man's armor? That's that's the story. That's the best pitch. It's. It, thank you. I, I love that too. <laughs> um, no, and what's really great, and you'll see Emilio's uh, artwork on this too, is like. Exo right now is a man searching for a community. He's searching for what is his place in today's world. And what I love about Eric um, is that he comes from a very kind of black and white, I know what the right thing is to do at all, any given time. But what was right in the fifth century is not necessarily right in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Or so he's told. And the question is, what? How? so how are you a man of honor and a man who understands absolute principles and what is right, what is wrong, what is noble, and then dealing in a world where they claim everything is a shade of gray. And that's that's really the biggest conflict of anything that you can deal with this character. And we're exploring it, I think, in a way that has never been touched on before with this character. And I'm really, really excited to see it. Um, and also, Dennis is just so character-driven and he really knows how to get inside um, and the relationship with Shanhara is is unreal. Um, and you know, we've been starting to send it out to to press for early reviews and getting notes, and everybody's talking about you know this is an EXO that they understand in a way they've never understood before. Um, and I feel the same way, and it's really exciting. Yeah, and this oh, is yeah. actually from issue two. Um, I don't think these pages have been made to the public yet. I think you guys are first to see. Have you seen live though? He's yep. real good. He's real good. He's real good. He can draw some amazing action epic scenes that you see here, but he's also brilliant at those small character moments that get you inside the perspective that Dennis also really writes incredibly well. So yeah, March 25th. Uh, Final Witness, uh, Ray Fox, Jeremy Hahn. Uh, This is uh, a really dark, gritty, super-powered serial killer book. Um, What I love about this, too, is, again, it's something that feels very fresh from Valiant. and uh, Jeremy's actually downstairs. He will tell you just about everything. Yeah, you, I was about to say, like, he's an artist alley this week. He is an artist alley this week, and he's even got pages there. And I'm like, Jeremy, no one's seen this yet. But, uh, <laughs> but we're really excited for it. Again, it's a different flavor. It's a new type of reader. It's a new type of fan um, that we're reaching out to with a really kick-ass like, prestige crime book um, wherein a super-powered serial killer is terrorizing San Francisco and a cop, a reporter, and a new hero on the scene are all trying to crack the case from different angles. Um, so think like Zodiac meets From Hell with a touch of Superman, and that's where you are with Final Witness. Yeah, you can see a few of the pages there from Jeremy. Uh, we also have, because we're Valiant, so we kind of do crazy gimmicks to yeah. go with our books, like carbon fiber cover for Bloodshot. I have um, It's a Kevlar comic. Yeah, it's a Kevlar comic, basically. <laughs> and for our final witness, we're doing a thing where we're actually, we have a decoder variant. It's a 1 in 25. Oh. And it's literally, it's just a thumbprint. I don't know whose thumbprint it is, but I hope it's not mine. 
Um, and on the cover, we're actually going to send you the glass with it where there's a clue to the rest of the series on the cover itself that you don't get in issue one. Is that Ray Fox's idea? Because he loves that stuff. No, that was not Ray's yeah. idea, but uh, but he was not upset about yeah, it. That's my understanding. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's pretty great. <laughs> when we were working at uh, a Batman book together, he wrote an That's entire right. language for the Riddler to write his That's code. So He's a weird Canadian, too. He is. <laughs> um, and then Shadow Man, uh, we've got Cullen Bunn is also downstairs uh, uh-huh. here in Artist Alley. Uh, yeah, we just announced that on GameSpot and then Bloody Disgusting Screen Red did some follow-up stories on it. So uh, what I'm really excited about for the new Shadow Man book, too, is like this is a true, this is a horror book first and a hero book second. And from uh, John's artwork, from John Davis Hunt, yeah. too, you can really see this yeah, guy has gone great. to town on this. Um, and what's really amazing about it is that you find Shadow Man is truly transforming himself from Jack Boniface, his you know everyday persona, to the Shadow Man himself. Shadow Man being kind of a supernatural guardian against the forces of evil, and every single issue that Colin's writing is playing into a different horror trope. Like the first issue deals with like a very like secret society conjuring up the demonic. The second issue is like about a ghost town, and you see him go all over the world with an overarching theme. But issue three is just as accessible as issue one. Issue five the same way, and it's a little bit of a different flavor in there. And then yeah, oh, wow. so uh, our editorial staff on this uh, came up with a really fun idea of doing these horror homage covers uh, through at least the first arc, and so you have some examples there. So. Um, I, I love these things. I remember when DC did uh, movie homage covers, like I bought every single one of them. So you've got like Dave Johnson doing an Us homage there, Francesca Francovia doing um, Halloween, and then uh, Erica Henderson, who's downstairs, did that the howling in there. So that's just a really fun thing, and it's one of the things that we pride ourselves in value is like, how can we make it an experience when you buy our comics? That's why it's not just new artwork for a really cool variant, it's carbon fiber, it's a decoder, it's interactive. And we're really excited to play with that with all the books that are coming up as well. Uh, and that's uh, not announced yet. Um, we've been sort of teasing this on social media. And it's savage. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good book. Yeah, no, and uh, we're really excited. Stay tuned for more about this one, especially over the next coming weeks. I know that there are other uh, pretty well-known comic book conventions that we are also having some programming at, so keep an eye for announcements shortly uh, on this one. But again, this is something that really hasn't been seen by the public yet. It'll be announced at the Grand Rapids Church Basement Con. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the last slide, this is the big one. Uh, no cameras, please. Uh, I can give literally no commentary on this whatsoever, uh, except that... Yeah, that's the Harbinger symbol. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the ultimate fan. I love it. Um, but yeah, so again, this is something brand new. This is something you guys get to see before literally anywhere else in the world here at C2E2. It's something of a gift for you guys to come out and spend time with us this afternoon. Um, we're saying it's the Year of Heroes in Valiant 2020, and uh, you can't have a Year of Heroes without this. So get ready. This is very, very, very exciting stuff coming down the pike. Cool. Um, well, there, here, let's go back. We'll go back beyond to uh, back to Tim's stuff. And then I, I was going to ask Tim, my last question I had for you was, we've just gone through the whole Valiant universe. Like you said, you've been pointing to some of the concepts from the other books. 
but I know that one of the turning points for the new Valiant Universe when it started was when we got to XO5 and Ninjak showed up for the first time. Yeah. One of the cool stories that they did in the earlier days of it. Um, gun to your head, if you had to pick one of these other characters from Valiant and bring them in as a guest star in Bloodshot, who would it be? Oh, I mean, I did a couple already. Well, yeah. we haven't gotten to it yet. So I guess, if, well, I want to, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love to do something with Archer and Armstrong. And oh. just in general, I love those guys. Um, and also the fact that they're this like crappy buddy team up with a guy who's kind of shitty at team ups anyway. I think I would get a lot of mileage <laughs> out of that. So, uh, but EXO is a big one for me. That's a big that's a big character for me just in general. He's basically like He-Man, so of course I like him. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, we got about ten minutes left. Uh, if anybody wants to ask questions uh, to Tim about the book or uh, about Valley in general, uh, there's the microphone. And uh, uh, please have at it. I've ran out of stuff. Yeah, don't be scared. You can ask questions. Share your feelings. This is a safe place. <laughs> it is? <laughs> Man, I feel better. Emotionally. Emotionally, yeah. Really That's a joke from Avenue 5 that I thought was very funny. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oh, here we go. Someone in a Valiant t-shirt. You know this is going to be yep. good, you guys. Yeah. No pressure, though. Represent. Yeah, so uh, in the last arc of Bloodshot, hmm? uh, we're at a horror con, right? Yep. Seem to recognize somebody that looks a lot like Cassie Slash. Cassianic? Yeah, there may be a slight there might be a slight crossover in that issue. Just a little fun crossover. I put I told Brett to draw Cassie in the background for my Hack Slash book and he did it. Now Valiant owns Hack Slash and I'm fucked. I can't do anything with it. But, uh, <laughs> but we're we're very fair with creator yeah. rights on this thing. But yeah, so I, I figured and then if you, you know I always do that sort of stuff and I I, I put my characters and you know, hide them in the background like all, I consider all my universes one universe, so just for my own joy. Does she show up in Revival? I'm trying yeah, to she's, yeah, in she's, she's in the background of Revival. She's in the background, yeah. yeah. She, she, she travels between universes, so she she's actually in a Batman issue too, but I won't tell you where that one is. But can, can you tell me after the panel? <laughs> I, can't, I don't even remember now, honestly. Damn. It's Batman Eternal. She was AT&T Batman Eternal. is hack slash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want them to know too much. But that was in the, I, I For fun, I, I don't go to comic conventions anymore because I work them, but I do go to horror conventions for fun. Just, just to go. So uh, that's why we did that scene. But I thought it, um, the character Eidolon, she lives a life of horror. So uh, to, to sort of get it out of her system, she goes to horror conventions for entertainment. Because to her, none of this shit is scary. It's just funny. Because she's seen the worst stuff. So <laughs> she was raised by uh, high-tech vampires, essentially. So she's, she's good with just about everything. All the people I've known raised by high-tech vampires are like that. Yeah, so totally, totally into Halloween life movie. detail. <laughs> Man, I had a bully in fifth grade. That was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point, good catch. So hack slash and Valiant Universe, shared universe. Shared universe. Yep. So all that, that is, old... that is uh, Tim Seeley's um, <laughs> opinion. Personal uh, headcanon. I, I cannot uh, speak to that in any formal Personal official way. Personal headcanon. Yeah, there you go. Um, I do want to say to you guys too before the next question. So we have a tradition at Valiant Panels um, to say thank you to you guys for coming out and spending some time with us. Uh, that we give a password, and you can go to kind of our home base here at the show, which is uh, with Awesome Minis at booth 577. And if you see this gentleman over there, his name is Connor, who's part of our, our team. Um, if you go down and you say to him the following password, KT, but you have to whisper it in his ear. If you whisper KT, 
I mean, you know, coronavirus, but just so no one else walking by can hear it. Yeah, um, lick his face. Yes. Again, this is uh, Tim Seeley's point of view, not an official Valiant sanction. Um, you will get something very cool and special just for Bloodshot um, here at the show. So again, KT. I think that, that gives you a prize. You get present. Yeah. Always. We try to be the publisher with the personal touch. Yeah, we're very, we're really excited. Okay. One last call for questions. Anybody else? Brave souls out there? Going once? Yeah. Go I don't even like for it. Nope. When are we going to see the return of Ninja K after Killers just finished up? Do we have to wait for him to be unmasked as the visitor? See, I know the answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> and soon, so will you. And that is all I can say in a public forum. Do you guys call him Ninja K? I, I just call him Ninja, because that's like the, one of the greatest names ever created. I mean, ninja. it's Ninja. <laughs> He's jacked and a ninja. I mean, technically it's Ninja K. Yeah, I mean, technically it's Ninja I think you see him trying to prevent the birth of grandfather going down, which is what I'm reading into the series. So is that is that what you're getting from Visitor right now? Yeah, because he, they did that death issue with Ninja K back in the day. They did. They did. Oh, I forgot about um, books of death. You, you I like. Yeah, he you know your stuff. Um, I will say this about Ninjak. Um, it is the year of heroes. Ninjak is one of our heroes. I think you'll be very excited about what's coming down the pike for this character, um, including the creators involved, the pages we're starting to see. Like, it will not be long now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Armstrong. Oh. Armstrong with issues. That on purpose. Um, but can you say something equally cryptic but encouraging about Archer and Armstrong? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> All right. Is that all good? Okay. Oh, one more. Yeah. Travis, good. Y'all got like some kind of exclusive clip from Bloodshot? I got you Vin Diesel, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vin what? Diesel got you guys. Oh, it's true. Yeah. That was actually the first two minutes of the movie. Vin is an <laughs> hardcore comic book fan who becomes He's literally like, so the opening credit, like, it's that and then the credits from Bloodshot the film. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like the Superman scene in Justice League, but no CGI mustache. Again. <laughs> just like, you know, I still haven't watched it. No, you said I still what? have not seen it at all. If you're, if you're like my wife, you're going to watch the first five minutes and be like, no. Yeah. no I like it. My I wife like watched the whole thing and said, where's Thor? That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Did you show her the Green Lantern movie after that? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, I just I didn't bother. I was like, this, this isn't going to happen. Well, uh, thanks, you guys, again, for coming out. Uh, if you haven't gone and gotten a T-shirt and poster stuff, they're in the back for free. Enjoy, and thanks for coming out to the Valley Panel, guys. Thank you.